You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Interning 101 podcast, hosted by yours truly, Emily White, author of Interning 101. Interning 101 podcast. Today we're going to talk about chapter four from the Interning 101 book, and that is called Preparing for Your Internship. So we've gone through, you know, how to apply, how to interview, frankly, how to get an internship. And then there's usually anywhere from a few weeks to a few months, maybe a few days, uh, in between when you get your internship and, and when you begin. So What can you do to maximize your success during those in-between periods before you start your internship? So the first thing you can do is follow the company on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. If you are not on Twitter, get on Twitter. Definitely get on LinkedIn as well. Facebook is up to you. I know that the age, you know, the average age of Facebook continues to go up. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a crucial business tool, but you might want to create like a not creepy looking lurker account so you can engage uh, with the company's Facebook page. But definitely get on Twitter. Um, I'm seeing less students on Twitter. Um, These social networks are going to evolve and change. And as maybe you've heard me say before, you know, it's like if you built your career or your band or whatever on Friendster or on MySpace, that obviously exemplifies that these things do go away, even though it it feels impossible right now. So I I do like Twitter, though, for especially for, I was going to say music business students, but really like anyone trying to have a career, because I think it's a great platform to follow, you know, people in your industry and different companies. And you can do that on Facebook, too. But Facebook certainly has more of a personal aspect when it comes to following kind of industry people and, and professional people in your field. So Definitely um, follow the company, um, follow key people um, from the company. Uh, Most people are pretty public about their careers. And if the person who interviewed you is on LinkedIn, I assume they are, um, definitely add them there as well. I am not a LinkedIn fan. I could do an episode on LinkedIn and how terrible that technology is, how ironic it is that people in tech are obsessed with LinkedIn. But LinkedIn and and Twitter are safe bets. And Twitter, I think you can learn, you know, a lot from. So definitely do that. Um, If we're going to assume that you are interning at a music company, follow all of the clients on Twitter um, and and on the social networks that we're talking about. Uh, Again, not to just rehash, but the bands, if it's a music company, are probably not on LinkedIn. So Twitter, you know, follow them on Twitter, give them a like. Listen to their catalogs on your preferred streaming network of choice. Let's just say it's Spotify. There is no reason to show up in a music internship in 2018 and not know 
maybe this will air in 2019, but and not know um, artists' music or even the artists on the roster. So I've definitely had interns show up and not know, you know, whether it's our bigger clients or our smaller clients. Um, I've I've run a boutique management company for a long time, and and boutique means that we don't have a ton. So if you can't take the time to read the ten clients on our website or whatever. Um, probably not going to be a good fit or successful a lot of places. So do that. Check out everything you can. Um, go to the artist's websites. And just, you know, that's a great way to start to understand and be in the loop on what's going on with the company and what's going on with the clients. Now, at the same time, I want you to be a blank slate when you show up. So I want you to be as informed and armed with information as possible as far as the company goes, you know, like, like we talked about in applying, go to every page on their website, be informed as far as the company, key people at the company and clients, assuming it's, it's a music company. But as far as your tasks go, I want you to be a blank, blank slate and completely have an open mind. So I'm sure I talked about this, but when I started interning for the Dresden Dolls, the first task Amanda Palmer asked me to do was to take dictation because she had developed tendonitis in her forearms from her aggressive keyboard style and uh, writing, which seems like a low number, but like now it feels like a low number, writing 100 emails a day, you know, booking the band, um, getting back to press requests, fans, all that stuff. So you know, no one is going to college to take dictation for the most part, unless you're training to be a stenographer, maybe. Um, and so I did that task. I did it well. I did it with joy. And, and as I've said, I, I know Amanda's brain sometimes better than she does. I mean, that also has to do with like years of touring together. But there's no better way to get inside your boss's head, a band's head, a business head than taking dictation. So you could look at a task like that and are like, well, this sucks. Um, or you can embrace it and realize how much you're learning from it. And to this day, I end almost every email by saying, take care. And that's how Amanda ended almost all of her emails. And we, we, I'm sure, I think we talked about it, just how it's just like the perfect salutation for, for any situation. So yeah, it's all about gleaning and, and picking up those little things. And I can't stress enough how every step of the journey, every rung of the ladder is important. Um, Because I mean, not to be totally cheesy and cliche, but if you miss a rung on the ladder, and then someone asks you about that, like you're gonna fall, right? Or like fall a little bit. So yeah, like I know all this stuff, or I'm like considered an expert in the music industry or whatever, because I did all these things. And Um, I may have talked about this as well, but a journalist in Milwaukee contacted me and said, Hey, I know an aspiring tour manager. Would you mind talking to her? And I said, of course not. So I get on the phone and this person is like, yeah, I guess I'll just suck it up and do merch for a while until I can be a tour manager. And I was like, suck it up. This definitely came up in my interview with, uh, Brian Viglione because like, I get really emotional about merch. Like that is part of art too. And even in like the modern era, like the merch person is often the closest thing a fan might come to like meeting the band. Um, So you want a friendly face, you want someone who's informed and knowledgeable and and passionate. 
And if you skip that step of not doing merch, how do you know what a good merch person is uh, when you're tour manager? So it's, it's not about like power or title or just, you know, trying to get to the top thing. Like when my name was on the cover of Billboard when I was like 26 or something, I felt like I had gotten to the top of a mountain. I felt like I'd been climbing and got to the summit, like got to the top of the music industry and was like, this is it. Like there's nobody up here. So it is all about, you know, those things that you master and learn along the way that you don't necessarily realize you're mastering and learning and also having fun. I mean, I had so much fun touring and running around New York City with my best friend who was also our office manager when I worked at Madison House. So yeah, it's, it's, you really have to master each step. And again, I think I may have mentioned this, but when I was on the Nine Inch Nails tour, um, Nine Inch Nails production manager manager at the time was super intimidating. He was like tall and English. Um, we kind of joked about it, but um, but he was intimidating, no doubt. And I remember having lunch one day with like the lighting designer and he said, do you know why Chris is so good at his job? I said, I don't know. And the lighting designer said, because he's done all of our jobs before. So if you want to quote, suck it up and do merch for a while, if your goal is to be a tour manager, how are you going to know about venue splits, counting in and counting out, um, putting the email list out every night, you know, what works to sell merch, what doesn't. So yeah, I think if you want to conquer any industry or whatever your goals are, you have to do it by going step by step, or that's going to bite you in the bum at some point. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. So also in this chapter, I talk about the legal ins and outs of interning. Um, We've definitely talked about, you know, like unethical behavior and sketchy behavior and literal shit you should not be dealing with. But let's definitely talk about the six legal requirements for an unpaid internship as put forth by the Supreme Court. Um, So I'm going to go over all of these, but I think for me personally, there's one really important one that I live by as an employer. These are all important, but six things is a lot. So number one, the internship, even though it includes actual operation of the facilities of the employer, is similar to training, which would be given in an educational environment. Two, the internship experience is for the benefit of the intern. Three, the intern does not displace regular employees, but works under close supervision of existing staff. So I consider one in three to be very similar. So, and and that's like what I keep in mind is like an intern cannot replace an employee. So if I ask you how to do something and you don't know how to do it, that's what interning is. And that's how I feel about, you know, at least at my company, which is an independent company, like we can't pay you to do number one which is, it's similar to training, which would be given in an educational environment. So that is the trade-off, is, is our time to teach you stuff. As soon as I ask you to do something and you know how to do it, um, you get paid. But I don't even like bringing that up at first. And, and I don't know if that's helpful to people or not, because I think it's human nature. 
Um, when I have brought it up, then people are asking constantly when they're going to get paid and then they're not focused on the task. So I really have to see that task mastered for you to be paid because that's what justifies that. The employer that provides the training, this is number four, derives no immediate advantage from the activities of the intern. And on occasion, its operations may be impeded. We kind of talked about that. Um, If we're spending all this time educating you and training you, that's a huge part of the trade-off. The intern is not necessarily entitled to a job at the conclusion of the internship. We've absolutely talked about that. Um, Just as far as expectations and expanding your network and how even the biggest companies can't hire every great intern. So um, we've talked about best practices to get hired. And then finally, number six, the employer and the intern understand that the intern is not entitled to wages for the time spent in the internship. I mean, I think that's kind of like the title of these legal requirements. But like I said, for me as an employer, if that's helpful to other supervisors out there, my barometer is as soon as we can ask you to do something and we don't have to explain to you how to do it, you get paid. So just make sure that that your interns are not replacing an employee and what to do if you are an intern and you feel like that you are um, replacing an employee. It's hard for me to kind of speak about that generally without knowing specifics. But if you think that's the case and you've been there longer than three months, definitely sit down and, and have a conversation about that. If it feels like there's just no revenue in sight, but there's a million people coming in and out of the office and you have a clear plan of what you want and you think that you are growing in your career, that's great. But yeah, it's, it's, it's really up to you. You have to look at the benefits. And, and unfortunately, I don't know if every employer knows that you're not supposed to replace an employee. So hit me up um, on Twitter at EMWizzle. You can DM me or email hello at interning101.com. Um, if you have specific questions or stories that you want to share, I'm happy to answer those, but keep them anonymous because I, I get the best information from you all when I'm speaking at schools and, and conferences and stuff when I'm out there. It's interesting because I think some people know that interning is controversial. Others don't, as you'll hear in, as you heard in the episode with the Hofstra students, they didn't know that interning was controversial. So I, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't talk in this chapter after the Supreme Court stuff about lawsuits and and internships. Again, I I just think like people need to be clear, right? They need to be clear about expectations. Um, Students need to be clear about their goals. But if you signed up for an unpaid internship for three months or whatever, like you signed up for an unpaid internship. But again, like that's why we're talking about these things because we don't want you to be exploited and we do want employers to follow the rules and and follow the law. So this is a very short mini episode because the next two chapters are on the same topic. So I kind of wanted to wrap up, you know, the things that you can do to get ready. I mean, some of the things we're going to talk about in the next chapters, you can also practice before you start your internship. You might have to be at your internship to try some of those things. So Um, On the next mini episode, we are going to see how far we get into Modern Office Basics Part 1, which obviously was long enough that I had to create a Part 2. And so Part 1, we talk about email 101, Slack, project management tools, like I would say it wrong because I'm a yogi, but asana, asana is how I would say it in yoga, asana, and not fearing the phone. So on the next episode, we will talk about how to, like I said, prepare for your internship, prepare for your entry level job, because a lot of these skills are not taught in school. 
and a lot of them can't be taught in school. So you're going to be expected to know how to like make a phone call. And I'm not being facetious. Like I talk again, we'll get into this in the next episode, but I used to be scared of phones and I didn't even grow up in the smartphone era. Um, I just saw John Oliver say like, who calls instead of text? Like, Side note, that's very English. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised to hear that from him. But anyway, that's what we're going to get into on the next episode. So thanks so much for listening to mini episode number nine. I hope this helps you prepare for your internships and entry-level jobs. And we will catch you on the next episode. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening to the Interning 101 podcast. I'm your host, Emily White. You can follow us anytime over on Twitter at Interning101, as well as on our website, interning101.com. I'm on Twitter at, at EMWizzle. Hit us up anytime if you have questions, comments, guest suggestions, or just want to get something off your mind. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.